the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. Kule Agbayani in studio. Yep, it's just me. It's me. Hi. <laughs> I'm in here all alone. Mr. Paul Brecht is out at Aloha Tower Marketplace Camp or Aloha Tower Marketplace at HPU's campus in the eSports Arena powered by DSE Hawaii. Getting ready, as you heard the promo right before I jumped on air to bring you Sharks Weekly. So be sure you guys stick around. First Sharks Weekly in quite a few weeks as everyone's been enjoying their holiday season and yeah, return to action for Sharks Weekly. So coming up after this show. All right, we got a lot to get into today. Coming up, we will hear from Coach Laura Beeman as they get set. Uh, this was a couple of days ago before they left on their road trip as they uh, get ready to play at UC Irvine today and then UC Riverside on Saturday. We'll also hear from HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi. Paul Brecht had a chance to catch up with him as they return after a split on the road to open the Pac West Conference season. And they return to play their first conference game at home in the Shark Tank today and Saturday as well. Uh, and then in a little bit, we'll hear from Tua Tango Vailoa and some fun quotes by Tua as he addressed the media yesterday as they get ready for their NFL wild card game versus the Kansas City Chiefs. But first, a lot of breaking NFL news. It was weird because I thought, all right, got a lot of stuff to talk about with the coaches. We saw yesterday and you heard our Chaz Ontai say that, you know, Pete Carroll is no longer going to be the head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. And then the bigger news, in my opinion, coming out because it, it seemed like a huge surprise to everybody, including those in Tuscaloosa, that Nick Saban has decided to retire after, you know, just his winning ways, changing, not, I don't want to even say turning around the program middle of the season this past season because they're Alabama and they had that one like fluke loss to Texas and they ended up being the Alabama that they, we thought they'd be but then fell to Michigan in the college football uh, semifinal and nonetheless Nick Saban is going to retire but then there's more coming out this morning about an hour ago officially uh, posted via the social media accounts for the New England Patriots you know maybe about in the middle of the night Hawaii time there were all these, well, I, I guess it was, it's been going on for like a few weeks or throughout the season that could this be the last season for Patriots head coach Bill Belichick? The rumors obviously started ramping up and what should they do? Then you throw Jim Harbaugh in the mix and all of this stuff going on. And then just about an hour ago, officially announced via the New England Patriots that the Patriots and Bill Belichick have mutually agreed to part ways. So, Another one that we kind of saw coming, but at the same time, when it actually happens, it's quite the surprise considering all the accomplishments that Bill Belichick has in the new at the New England Patriots uh, after 24 seasons, six Super Bowl titles. Obviously, we know Tom Brady had a lot to deal with that, but there was all this speculation that it would happen. Now that pretty significant coaching of vacancy is there at New England. So there's been a lot of rumors as to, but going back to, excuse me, going back to Nick Saban, there's been a ton of rumors as to who will replace that 
head coach take over such a historic program, continue, of course, the winning ways in Tuscaloosa, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Um, there's been tons of stuff thrown in the hat. I heard our friends at VEASAN talking about how their athletics director kind of has a plan for almost every single program that they have there at Alabama in terms of coaches that are ideal or immediately to go after. There's been uh, reports on social that we could expect to hear the new name of the Alabama head coach, head football coach, in probably, well, yesterday was about 72 hours, so we'll see in about 48 hours there could already be a new head football coach at Alabama. There's been a a ton of names thrown in there. By the way, the betting market in terms of winning the uh, 2024-25 College Football National Championship, the odds have not moved yet for Alabama. Obviously, they're waiting to see who comes in to fill that spot. Georgia is still at the top at plus 350. Alabama right behind them at plus 550. A lot of names that we're seeing. Some of the um, ones that Hawaii fans might be familiar with. There's Dan Lanning at Oregon. That's a huge one. I had to text my cousin yesterday about what what's going to happen. What if that happens? Uh, Kalen DeBoer, who had a very good uh, run and good season at Washington. So coaches like Kalen DeBoer, Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning's only in his second season. Feels like Oregon is just right back in there. He, what he was able to do in turning around that program. Of course, he has all the Nike money to work with. But nonetheless, so did other coaches that came before him. Mario Cristobal was on his way to building up that Oregon program before he decided to leave for Miami. Other names, of course, Lane Kiffin, who was on the staff of Nick Saban, currently at Ole Miss. Could he want to go over to Alabama? We've always heard Deion Sanders, assuming that Nick Saban would have retired maybe in a couple more years and Deion Sanders at Colorado would have been able to get a little more experience in term, in being a head coach. but So I doubt we'll see that, but that was an early prediction as the successor to Nick Saban would have been Deion Sanders, especially because they are good friends and they do all those commercials together. But I don't think we'll see that. There's been James Franklin. I don't know. He's kind of had a down year at Penn State. Dabble Sweeney, of course, at Clemson. Mike Norvell at Florida State. Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Marcus Freeman is an interesting one uh, out of Notre Dame. So we will see what happens. Selfishly, I hope it's not Dan Lanning because I really love him at Oregon. And I'm, I'm glad to see the Oregon Ducks do really well. And especially with Dylan Gabriel over there. I want them to have even more success than they experienced this past season. But the um, he's come a long way, and it's crazy because Dan Lanning and I are like the same age, and he's been able to move up the coaching ranks coming over from Georgia. So that's kind of the tie to the SEC. He has that Georgia connection prior to coming to Oregon. He was the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for a couple of seasons before uh, right before coming to Oregon. And then for in 2018, he was simply the linebackers coach for Georgia prior to that Memphis. If you go all the way back to his beginning, the beginning of his coaching journey, I couldn't believe this when I kind of had to look him up and do my show prep and research before this. He was on Coach Todd Graham's staff. <laughs> we cannot make this up, you guys. <laughs> Todd Graham follows us everywhere. <laughs> so I looked it up. And he was 
basically an aspiring, and we're still talking about Dan Lanning. He was an aspiring NCAA Division One coach after spending some seasons as a high school coach, but he really wanted to coach in Division One. He drove 13 hours to Pittsburgh to convince a coaching staff led by Todd Graham, who he had met at coaching clinics at Tulsa, uh, to hire him on the coaching staff. So he was, you know, subsequently hired when Coach Graham was at Pitt, um, hired as a grad assistant, and then left and followed Coach Graham to Arizona State when he went there. And then the rest is history for Dan Lanning. But I couldn't believe my eyes when I started researching the back history of Dan Lanning, of who, what coaching tree he comes from. And we just can't get away from that man now, can we? University of Hawaii football fans. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit to share with you guys. But we'll we'll definitely keep track of who the next football coach is going to be. The other interesting thing, however, for buyout. So a lot of these coaches, they sign these contracts not only to the coaches want to get paid, obviously, and it's college football now. We always talk about it. A lot of money uh, being thrown out there in terms of TV rights, going to these schools, these conferences, yada, yada, yada. On the flip side, the schools do their job in protecting themselves as well to prevent coaches from just being able to up and leave easily. So potential buyouts for some of these Alabama head coaching candidates, you have Dan Lanning, his buyout would be $20 million that Alabama would likely have to pay. But let's be honest, if there's going to be a coach that they really, really want, that's chump change. They're like, oh, you only want $20 million? Yeah, no problem. So $20 million for Dan Lanning. Kalen DeBoer over at Washington is $12 million buyout. Dabble Sweeney, $7.5 million. James Franklin at Penn State, $6 million. And Mike Norvell, Florida State, is a $4 million buyout. So significant amount of money should Dan Lanning want to go over to Alabama. I hope not, but that is... I want to say it's almost chump change. I know for us uh, Hawaii fans, it's hard to fathom. But if Alabama really wants a certain coach of their future, and as I mentioned, Dan Lanning, very, very young at 37 years old to take over an Alabama program and build it and hopefully sustain the success that they've had under Nick Saban. And more importantly, he's a guy that can recruit. So it's a new age of football that went into part of the reason why I think you know, Nick Saban decided to retire. Just he wants to maybe possibly he it's they always sell, cite like potential health reasons and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, it's just do I want to deal with this stress? We saw Villanova head coach or former head coach Jay Wright do the same thing. This, you know what? This is just getting too crazy for me. I want to leave. But kudos to Nick Saban that for the most part, the world of college football has been constantly changing and he's been able to adapt time and time again rarely ever taking any kind of dip in terms of recruiting, in terms of just performance of his players and how well they do every single season. So that's the main thing that can be said about Nick Saban being somewhere so long in this profession for so long and be able to sustain this type of success throughout the changing eras of college football. And I think now being at his age, he's like, all right, I'm ready to go. Let's step aside and retire. But now if you're Alabama, you need someone who can deal with this NIL movement, a younger guy like a Dan Lanning that can be a player's coach and recruit. And they want someone in there really quickly because at the end of the day, they won't want to lose their players that they have right now that will enter the transfer portal should they not find a head coach or 
if they find the wrong head coach, they'll have they'll lose a significant amount of players, and then the new coach coming in needs to scramble to try to be sure to fill all these roster spots prior to next season. Again, still wanting to compete. That's why we haven't seen the line move uh, overall in terms of the uh, next year's college football champ. But when you look at some of the, I mentioned some of the favorites and names being thrown out there, it, it'll be interesting to see and follow who will replace. Dan Lanning is the favorite. Incur- for some odds, like you can't really find it on the general betting market, but there are books. There's 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 lines for everything. So there is a, a sports line has some odds on the next head coach. Dan Lanning is the favorite at plus 250, followed by Lane Kiffin at 4-1. to one. James Franklin at 5-1. to one. Dabble Sweeney 6-1. to one. Steve Sarkeesian at 9-1. to one. And Mark, or excuse me, Mike Norvell at 10 to 1 odds. I hope these are wrong. I do not want Dan Lining to leave Oregon selfishly, or maybe Dan Lining is going to use it to leverage potentially getting paid more money from Oregon. Uh, left is rest is to be seen. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we will hear from. I was going to say Alabama quarterback. I mean, former Alabama quarterback, but current Miami Dolphins quarterback, Tua Tango Vailoa. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kuule Agbayani. Paul Brecht is out at Aloha Tower Marketplace at HPU's campus in the eSports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii. Getting ready to bring you Sharks Weekly coming up right after this show. And the special pro- or the program that will be featured on Sharks Weekly is women's basketball with Coach Ray Alvarado. So be sure to stick around to hear about that update. And coming up a little later in this show, we will hear from HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi as they return for their first home game. Uh, or first, excuse me, conference home game today after splitting on the road. All right, getting back to our football talk. Tua Tango Vailoa getting ready, and the Miami Dolphins getting set to play at Kansas City for the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. So yesterday he took some time to address the media, and kind of towards the end, it's a very um, interesting question that was asked, and not and by interesting I mean that in the best way possible for those that. Follow us on social media or follow me on Twitter. Anyways, you know what exactly what I'm talking about as I posted it yesterday or seen it around. But uh, Tua Tagovailoa basically asked about also just the cold weather that Miami will have to deal with. So this is what Tua had to say. You've made huge strides in the last couple of years. Uh, one area that Mike McDaniel was talking about earlier is maybe the end of game stuff. I asked him about that. And he said that um, you're still kind of learning those situations and you get better every time. What have you learned this season from end of game situations that you can apply going forward? Yeah, just continuing to take what the defense gives me. There's um, there's a lot of things on film that uh, we can continue to get better at that you know, that, that had presented itself and uh, just never took those opportunities. So a lot of time, uh, we had a lot of time in, in those instances. And then in some of them, there were miscommunications. But I mean, they're, they're all learning, learning opportunities. And now it's a uh, winner go home. So, you know, you, you can't have those mistakes going into games like this. To it, um, obviously, there's no way to really, like you said, there's no really 
way to prepare for those conditions. But when mm-hmm. you get out there and, you know, the wind might be a factor, how important is maybe like the pregame warm-ups and um, what may what might you have to adjust based off, uh, you know, the wind and the conditions there? Yeah, I think it's just a feel of um, how everything is, um, you know, what the ball feels like, what the what throwing feels like, what holding the ball feels like. Um, if there's wind, if there's not wind, uh, you have to take all those things into consideration. But you will we'll go there, uh, we'll, we'll test it out, and we'll see what we have to do as far as adjusting or, or not. So what's just the feel around the locker room? We didn't get a chance to see you guys practice, but I mean, mm-hmm. this is it. This is what you play for all season. Yeah, I think the guys are, are excited that we still have another opportunity and um, you know, we're, we're not necessarily leaving, um, you know, the building with a bad taste in our mouth uh, from the last game. Um, but it's just another opportunity for us to to hopefully do what uh, we said we wanted to do all along. Coach, this morning talked a little bit about the Chiefs' aggressiveness and their blitzing and how it makes the offense have to be on their stuff. Yep. What can you do to help the offense be on top of your stuff this weekend? I think it's playing on time, um, knowing where my hots are. Uh, if I can, um, you know, outside of our motions, if we're allowed time to uh, change protection, then we can do that. But because of how on time uh, we do play, um, you know, that's that's sort of how how we we have been beating teams with pressures. Jalen Waddle is able to come back this week. How much does that help you guys get to what you want to do offensively? Yeah, I, I think it helps us out a lot. Um, you know, and then it'll it'll un- uncover what uh, defensively what they what they want to do. Uh, if they want to bracket both those guys, we're gonna have to find uh, you know other guys that can win their one-on-one matchups. Or if they want to double Tyreek, you know, we'll find Jalen or we'll find someone else that uh, you know is working their their matchup. So uh, we'll come out, we'll see what they they uh, they want to do, and um, uh, we'll go from there. To us, there. Uh an experience that you've had throughout your career, maybe not just at this level, but going back to college or whatever that you kind of pull from to prepare for this high stakes game, or I guess what is your personal approach to it? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I could compare this to, to anything um, because it's it's all new. It's uh, everything is, uh, yeah, it, it's all new. This This is a different feeling than it was in the national championship game, different feeling than it was in the SEC championship game. I think they all come with new feelings. Um, But the way the way I cope with it is go about my business the way I've been going about my business, uh, take care of my job and uh, trust that my teammates will do the same with theirs. So what areas of growth, Mike, talk about how this has been a continued season of growth for you. What areas of growth do you think that you've had the most this year? Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, I've had the opportunity to really sit down and, and look back at uh, areas of growth for myself because of um, the, the day-to-day process of, okay, this is like what we got to like, Whatever happened last week, you got to let that go. This is the game plan for this week. Um, you have these many cans. You have to know uh, this, that, or the other. And um, it's just you, you don't necessarily have that time to, to um, sit back and, and reflect necessarily. Uh, so I, I, I would say I, I don't have an answer right now for you. Uh, but 
I mean, after the season, we'll, we'll definitely look back at uh, things we've improved on and then things that we can continue to get better at. Is it a point of pride that you led the league in passing this year? Um, not necessarily. Uh, yeah, individual accolades, super cool. They're, I mean, they're, they're awesome, but... I mean, if, if we, we could have won all our games, I would have traded that for for that. If, if I would have threw for 200 yards the entire season and we would have been 17-0, and 0, I think anybody would have done, done the same. So, yeah, it's cool, but uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you, you won or, or you uh, accomplished what you've wanted to accomplish uh, as a team. So... I mentioned same answer for your first Pro Bowl. Well, well, first Pro Bowl, I mean, that that's different because it's recognition, like, across the league from coaches, players, fans. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful, grateful for that honor. It's not something that I I take lightly. Um, but, you know, when, when it's about me, it, it does it does get a little, little weird. But um, I, I am very grateful for that. What's the coldest temperature you've ever even been in? I think maybe 20 or like a little lower than 20. Nothing lower than I would say 15. So probably like in between there. What was that? What was that? It was in Seattle. Uh, we played um, an all-star game in high school and it was like raining and it was bad. It was at night too. And uh, it was um, like, it was very windy. <laughs> Terrible, no heaters on the sideline. High school game, <laughs> terrible. What you have is like everybody under one blanket, and the blanket's wet. When you were coming from Hawaii and going to Alabama, what was that reaction to like cold weather? Um. Well, at first I thought it was really cool because that was my first time I got to see snow, and now everybody's like, "Wait, it snows in Alabama?" Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, it didn't snow the two years after but it, it snowed and and the snow stuck um and I, I thought that was my first time seeing snow it was super cool um but yeah like the the things that i can remember uh while it was cold was it was a little different gripping the ball um you know your your hands aren't as moist uh when you know when you're feeling the ball so you you either have a hand warmer or something to to you know keep it not dry if that makes sense, um, but yeah, that that's what I can remember. Could you could you educate me? I, I got pushed back because I referred to you as Hawaiian on social media. How do you, you wait? You say what? You are Hawaiian. You're from Hawaii. I'm from Hawaii. I'm not Hawaiian. Explain the difference. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, Polynesian um, is it, it entails Hawaiians, Samoans, Tongans, Fijians. Uh, you can throw people from the Cook Islands in there, like anyone within the Polynesian Triangle. If you look it up, um, I mean, they're they're Polynesian. Uh, I, I would say we we are similar but different. Uh, I say that because there's words that that uh, that sound very similar in each culture, um, but but they're said differently and then. Obviously, outside of that, the cultures are all different. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that's that's what I, I would say with uh, with Polynesian uh, people. But I'm I'm Samoan. I just I grew up in Hawaii. That was that's it. But there's a lot of a lot of people that are uh, Samoan. There's a lot of people that are Tongan that live in Hawaii that are uh, in Hawaii but are not Hawaiian. Um, 
but yeah that's not to say that we don't we don't like hawaiians or we don't like whatever like that's that's what that so that is hawaii but you were not hawaiian correct thank you and that was Tua Tungvaluwa answering questions from the media yesterday as they get ready to play Kansas City at Kansas City in a brisky two degrees, uh, potentially, or will be a lot colder if you factor in the wind chill. Uh, but thank you, Mr. Journalist, sir, for asking to be educated. And I like how he asked that question. Like, could you educate me on what the difference is? Because I know we're still trying to make that movement, uh, all of the Polynesians. Shout out to my fellow Polynesians. I am Hawaiian, if anybody could not guess by now. Um, I probably don't look it initially because I am very fair skinned and I maybe look more like, yeah, Filipino or Visayan and and white. Uh, So most people think I am, but I am Hawaiian. If I let down my hair, then you can tell that, oh yeah, she's definitely Hawaiian. I have the Hawaiian (laughs) hair for sure. Um, But no, it, it was, I thought that was a fun question. And of course, everyone else asking a little bit about the cold, cold weather being that Tua is originally from Hawaii and then plays in Miami. But, you know, our friends at VEASAN, before we hopped on here, made a pretty good point. Like, cold is cold. Once you reach a certain, like, temperature of cold, it's cold for everybody. It's just an uncomfortable cold. The ball is going to be rock solid. So, if there's anything that we've seen throughout the season that Tua has been really good with his receivers at throwing that really short zippity pass, that might be put them in the you know have a little bit more favor where the receivers for Kansas City have not been as reliable Uh, who knows if Patrick Mahomes can scramble as much maybe rely a lot on the running game but I'm excited to see this game now I'm kind of leaning towards Miami to at least cover the four and a half some places I've seen hit five and a half but We'll see what happens. Uh, but speaking of the Polynesian side, want to give a quick shout out. We talked about Jaden Mayava going to USC, but uh, it's pretty significant for Jaden and for the Polynesian community as Jaden is the first Polynesian quarterback at USC. So shout out to Jaden Mayava and of course the USC Trojan football that you can hear here. I talked about to open the show. I want to go back to the Alabama head coaching vacancy because there is something that I did miss this morning coming up on the Twitter feed, but I was able to look at it during that interview that Oregon head coach Dan Lanning is officially, well, I don't even want to say officially because at this day and age, you really don't know. They could change their minds. Coach Players change their minds. Coaches could, but I think the fact that he did post like this, like, this whole video of the team meeting announcing to the team that he is staying, uh, he quoted like, you know, sometimes the grass is, you know, people say the grass is greener or could be greener on the other side, something like that. And he said the grass is pretty darn green in Oregon. So he wants to stay in Oregon. Huge news for Oregon fans. But I'll more so believe it when I see Alabama officially hire another head coach. As I mentioned also earlier, Bama AD Greg Byrne told the players yesterday that they would hope to have a decision in the next 72 hours. So the clock is ticking for Alabama to find their next head coach. And we will see. But uh, like I said, I missed it. Dan Lanning posted on his own social media that he is staying in Oregon. So we'll see what happens next for Alabama. When we come back, we will hear from HPU men's basketball Head coach Jesse Nakanishi. Wake up in the den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760.
Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani. We're here on this Thursday morning. Paul Brecht is at Aloha Marketplace at the HPU Esports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii. Hawaii, getting set to bring you Sharks Weekly featuring HPU women's basketball right after this show. However, uh, yesterday, Paul, or a couple of days ago, Paul had a chance to catch up with HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi as they return home to play at the Shark Tank today and Saturday after splitting on the road, lost a game to RU 65-51, and then able to bounce back and beat Dominican 65-60. Now they turn around and they host RU tonight, so hopefully they can redeem that loss and then they play Dominican on Saturday. So kind of an interesting scenario where we haven't seen often. We're immediately following a road trip. They play the exact same teams. But here is what head coach or HPU men's basketball head coach and Paul Brecht had to talk about. Paul Brecht of Hawaii Sports Radio Network here chatting with HPU Sharks men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi following the team's one and one road trip stopped a two-game losing streak and now returns home to face off against the same two programs they faced off against last week. Coach, first things first, uh, I want to say Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all that stuff. Haven't seen you since the calendar year flipped. How you been doing? Good. Thanks for having me and good catching up with you. I'm really excited to chit-chat some basketball with you. Obviously, I mentioned you guys snapped a two-game losing streak this past weekend, taking down Dominican 65-60. Before that, you guys fell on the road to um, Art, or Academy of Art, I should say, 65-51. Tough first half kind of did you in there. And now you guys return home to face off against Academy of Art on Thursday and then Dominican on Saturday, respectively. I want to go back to last week first and chit-chat with you about what happened in the Academy of Art game, specifically that first half. You guys go into the break down 36-18, really struggling, allowed 53% uh, shooting from the field for Art, uh, four of seven from three-point range. And in that game in total, 21 turnovers for your squad, 26 points off of those turnovers were scored by Academy of Art. So throwing all of those numbers, throwing all of that at you, hoping you can kind of take the beautiful people through what kind of happened as you guys fell for the first time in conference play. Yeah, um, man, you do your homework, Paul. I love it. But uh, numbers don't lie, as they say. And it, it really, you hit on the head that 21 turnovers really did us in. Um, and especially in the first half, we just dug a deep hole. And we knew that would be the key to game. And, you know, they, they're very unique. They pressure the ball really well, full court and in the half court and do some unique things in the half court as well with trapping and switching and, and some icing. And, you know, to their credit, um, they they use their defense that really fuels their offense. Um, so they, they got us on the turnovers and, and really converted those turnovers in, in these what I call four point, five point swings when you're trying to get a, a bucket or even even not a turnover sometimes or you miss a layup and, and they go ahead and convert it on their fast break. But Definitely the the points off turnovers, we we dug ourselves a deep hole in the first half that we, we just couldn't get out of um, due to our turnovers. So that's been something we've been working at this week, and we'll once again be the key to the game. 
you mentioned the turnovers. I was curious a little bit because you guys did end up winning the second half, actually, of that game, 33-29. You mentioned the big hole. What did you like from your team in that second half specifically that kind of allowed you guys to see that success against Art so quickly? Uh, yeah, again, focusing on the turnovers and taking care of it a little better. We made a few adjustments as far as how to attack their traps. Um, and we took a little bit better care of the ball and, and made it made a few more shots, I believe. Um, so, you know, with those type of teams, you got to take care of it and you got to get a good shot off and, and, and make some shots. So I think our defense can keep us in the games. You know, it's funny how both, both sides of the ball work hand in hand, but our, our defense, you know, really, well, our offense rather, excuse me, you know, if we can take care of it then, and really let them have to beat us in the half court and not convert in the full court, that that's really advantageous for us and behooves us. And then two days later, you guys take on Dominican. You're down three at halftime. You talk a little bit in that first game about putting yourself in too big of a hole to dig yourself out of. In that second game of the road trip, you guys were able to dig yourself out of that hole, end up coming up with a big-time 65-60 win to split that road trip with a, a win, escape, and come back to the islands, sitting uh, somewhat pretty still. You guys also had a new starting five in that game, Charlie Weber stepping in, mm -hmm. and, and really a great performance from him, 17 points, 11 rebounds, hosting a double-double in his first start of the season. What did you see from Charlie in that one that you liked? That And, and what can he give to your team here in the both short term and long term as the season progresses. Yeah, I, I was really proud of Charlie, you know, stepping in in a starting role with Matt had a setback. Um, so wasn't able to play that night. But yeah, proud of Charlie. He he brings a extra love of energy to our team, especially on the offensive glass. Um, I think he had 11 boards. Uh, I forget how many of those were offensive, but he's got a nice, nice touch from outside and inside. So he can score at all three levels. And but once again, his his offensive rebounding is something that really boosts our team. It's going to be something that's important going forward as well, especially this week. You mentioned Art before and their great offense. They are the team or they are the program, I should say, that leads the Pac West in points per game score. They average just over 81 per game. And you mentioned your defense being something you guys like to hang your hat on just averaging under 67 points per game allowed uh, as you guys converge again this week. Uh, what are some things you're hoping to see from your team specifically against the Academy of art kind of cleaning up on that defensive end, especially mentioned that first game, first half 53% from the field. What is it that you guys need to do to push that number down when they come to the shark tank? Yeah, I mean, even in the Dominican game, we the first half we had nine turnovers. Again, just we're almost on pace to match the academy result. But I think that it was a tell of two halves in that area because in the second half of the Dominican game, we only had four turnovers, and lo and behold, we took a lead and you know was able to prevail. So that's the the telling factor for our team, and it wasn't a huge problem early on for us in the season. So we're trying to get ahead of it now and, and remedy this turnover a little plague we've got going on. Um, and Art is the best at best in the business at forcing turnovers. So I'm looking forward to the challenge on, on Thursday and 
we've really worked to clean it up, um, taking care of it in practice. So um, and attacking their traps. So I think we'll be ready. It'll be a fun game. Um, you know, and I think we'll respond to the challenge. A challenge it will certainly be. We're here talking to head coach of the HPU Sharks men's basketball program, Jesse Nakanishi. The Sharks just one of three one-loss teams to start conference play in the Pac West, the other two being Biola at six and one and Point Loma at five and one. Biola and the Sharks won't face off until February, both of their matchups coming then. And then Point Loma will face off against HPU at the Shark Tank for the first time on January 25th. Coach, I mentioned the rematch with Art on Thursday coming up at 6.30 p.m. at the Shark Tank. What are some of the challenges playing a team so close back-to-back mm -hmm. where it's only been a week between playing these guys? Yeah, actually view it as more advantageous than challenging um you know one your scouting report can really be focused on the game that you just played for the most part uh, so as far as preparation there's glaring things that you need to get fixed and you go ahead and, and work at it that week so i i think it's good for both teams good for both teams same thing but i guess the challenge would be if you're trying to do some new things there's not much time to to do it um so yeah, I really, I actually like it. It's weird to play a team back to back like this, but I mean, especially for a unique team, like both of these are very unique teams because of, you know, Academy's pressure and then Dominican's matchup zone. They play a zone the whole entire game, matchup zone. So that's something we hadn't seen all year. Um, so both, so being able to play two very unique teams um, the ensuing week, I think is advantageous for a team like us. I like that viewpoint. It's a little bit different from other coaches I've chatted with, but I think it's I think it's a good one and a fair one at that. That said, Art coming on in, they do sit right behind you in those aforementioned Pac West standings. They sit at four and two in conference play, one two straight now, including one over you guys. Is there an added sense of urgency within the team and the staff knowing that? This will be your last opportunity taking on art uh, before any potential playoff matchups or anything like that. Yes, for sure. I, I think I view art as I mean, uh, give credit to Coach Waterman. He's turned that thing around, and I view them as one of the top tier teams in the league, and they will be. They'll be in the playoff, the top six for sure. Um, and so we we haven't been in. The, we've only played four. Four games, I believe, in conference and haven't beat a top tier team yet. Um, so th this uh, can be a little signature win and more confidence booster for us as well. And definitely this will be one of the teams that we're challenging for a playoff spot and for seeding and all that. So this is a huge game for us coming up indeed. And then one last thing before we get out of here, you mentioned Dominican as well, the matchup zone that they play throughout the game. As they come in to the Shark Tank, what are some of the worries playing, you know, two games in three days and whatnot, so on and so forth? Are there any worries on that end? What are some of the struggles that they present, especially back-to-back -back against a, a team like Academy of Art that, like you said, presents a different set of challenges? Right. So just one one day in between both games. So you have one day of prep, basically, to um, really get after your plan of attack with with Dominican. So that adds some challenges when you're playing 
uh, a team like that who plays so differently defensively. Um, so, I mean, we we have it's two totally different game plans and plan of attacks really offensively for these two teams. So that that does present a challenge with just one day to prepare for that second team. But, you know, everyone has those challenges. And, um, you know, that's where game film study and, and pouring in some time off the court for both players and coaches, you know, as far as preparation. So we'll be all right. And it's just something every team goes through. So we'll be fine. All right. I know I said last question, but I do have one more. What's what do you have anything you want to say to fans ahead of these matchups? Anything you hope to just have them hear straight from you uh, as you guys start to move into the real meat of your guys's uh, conference schedule? Yeah, absolutely. We've got six home games coming up that very, very it will be very entertaining, very challenging games and, you know, very good brand of basketball. And, you know, I still feel Division two basketball in Hawaii is a kind of an unknown commodity a little bit. And if people just kind of get out and, and kind of see the level of basketball, they, they'll be very entertained and have another team to back and, and follow. And we've got four local kids on the team. So come out and check this, check out the Shark Tank on these next six games. If you make one of them, it would be awesome to have you. We'd love to host you. You heard it here first, folks. And you have an awesome game coming up this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. inside the Shark Tank and chatting with HPU men's basketball head coach, Jesse Nakanishi. Thank you so much for your time today, coach. All right, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Paul Brechton, HPU men's basketball head coach, Jesse Nakanishi. And my apologies, I, I spaced on the fact that they already played a couple of Pac West conference games at home, be it that it was like a month ago and it was prior to even that University of Hawaii exhibition. They had beaten Westmont and Fresno Pacific and then went on the road and now they come back back and play at home so currently the men's basketball team is sitting at three and one in conference looking to avenge that loss against art U that they suffered on the road against 65 51 and then hopefully to sweep or get the season sweep against dominican on saturday when we come back we will close things out here on wake up in the den Wake Up in the Den with Kuhule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kuhule Agbayani. And in case you haven't noticed, this entire show, we're playing, playing a lot of Taylor Swift because it is Taylor Swift night at the University of Hawaii men's basketball game this evening at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Unfortunately... I will not be there (laughs) of all games. I have something else to go to for the Sony Open. And the one game I will likely, the one and only game I will miss likely in the men's basketball season or home games is the one night that it's Taylor Swift night. Of course, that's how things just work out in this land. But in case you're wondering, so tonight is Taylor Swift night as the University of Hawaii men's basketball team hosts UC Irvine. So naturally going to be a very competitive and likely heated matchup between the Rainbow Warriors and the Anteaters. So just it's for all my fellow Swifties out there. There will be a Taylor Swift lip sync battle among three contestants at halftime with the winner taking home 15,000 Hawaiian miles. I totally would have won that. A located close to gate B, there will be a table to make custom friendship bracelets. If you guys have been following everything on the concerts, that's a big thing. And I'm going to assume that they're going to make 
you know, tons of or play a lot of Taylor Swift songs. So it'll be a lot of fun. Definitely a way to get maybe some of the, the young ones in there who are fans of Taylor Swift and cheer on the Rainbow Warriors uh, this evening. Again, stick around, though, for Sharks Weekly coming up after the show featuring women's basketball. And it will not actually be head coach Ray Al- Alvarado. It'll be assistant coach Ashley Nunez as the Lady Sharks have a um, practice this morning. So he couldn't make it. And right now they are sitting at one. And three in conference three and seven overall where they will yeah get ready they don't um go on they recently lost on the road again to RU and Dominican 55-44 to RU and 65-60 to Dominican and same thing they play the doubleheader with the men's basketball team so they play earlier at 4 30 p.m today at the Shark Tank and then the men will follow and then Saturday same time 4 30 p.m for the women followed by the men's basketball team but uh, speaking of women's basketball, going back to the University of Hawaii, uh, head coach Laura Beeman had a chance to address the media as they are on the road to play at UC Irvine today. And this is what she had to say. You know, every road trip, every homestand, we start out 0-0. You know, we're not looking at our record. We're not taking anyone um, for granted by any means. We're not under or overestimating anybody. Our goal is just to continue to get better. So we are excited about this road trip. We know Irvine is top team in the conference. Um, so we've got a really good game on Thursday night ahead of us. Uh, you mentioned Irvine, another top team in the conference. You guys voted 1-2 and two in the preseason poll. Is there a, a little extra going into this one, knowing that this might be one of those two or three programs you're fighting for the top seed in the tournament later on? Yeah, you know, I think that there's always that energy that surrounds rankings, the energy that surrounds what happened last year and, you know, them winning conference the way they did, us winning the tournament the way we did. Um, so I think there's always a little bit of energy, but the one thing we're not going to do is get wrapped up. We're just not. Uh, you know, if these guys, the girls have their own little you know, push, then we'll take it. But, you know, we're, we're just trying to get better. We're just trying to play Hawaii basketball. We're not looking at our record. Um, I, I just keep going back to three three coaches voted us a third-place team. That, that's all I go back to, and I don't know who that was. So. You still don't know. The, the search continues for who that was. Probably we'll never know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, there's motivation in respect this program, respect our history, respect what we did last year, respect what we have coming back this year. And I just take it a little bit offensive that someone's going to vote us three. At the end of the year, if we're third, then they obviously know more than I do. Um, but with what we've done over the past couple of years and what we have coming back, I was a little shocked by that. Uh, you talk about your team a little bit and that shot. You guys are rolling, especially on the defensive end right now. Three straight games holding opponents under 50 points. Uh, what is it that's clicking? That's the first time, I think, since 2015. Um, what, what is it that is specifically clicking on that end uh, that's leading to that success for you guys? I think there's a, a few things that go into that. One, I think our, our system is very good. It's not gimmicky. Our system's good, and we can rely on it. I think, two, the girls have bought into that process, into that system, and they know that if we communicate and execute the way we are supposed to, um, that we can be, you know, pretty tough on defense. Um, you know, you don't always have teams that, that like defense or that buy into the process. But I think the combination of how we do things and the way the girls believe in that and they enjoy it um, is probably showing up game nights. 
Is that there's always sort of that arc of the season, right? Your team gets better, and you, you expect that certain things you'll do better at stages of the season, right? Uh, are you at a place where you, you feel good about where you are mid-season? Absolutely not. <laughs> not? Mid-season, yes. Um, you know, end of season, absolutely not. We have a lot of room for growth, and you know, we're not trying to catch anybody other than the University of Hawaii, and that's kind of the gap we're trying to close is the team we are now to the team we want to be at the end of season. So, you know, where we are mid-season, happy in some areas, sure. We have a lot of growth in other areas, rebounding, consistency on defense, you know, moving the ball offensively, being able to pound the ball inside, getting better productivity from our post players, you know, mastering our offense even more than what we have, pushing in trends. I can go on and on. So, um, sure, do I like our record? I guess I do. Um, but again, I'm not really looking at numbers. I'm just looking at continued growth, and we're chasing University of Hawaii. Uh, what kind of benefit is it? You guys have had seven different young women lead the team in scoring across 12 games. Impressive when it comes to depth. How how much do you look forward to being able to lean on something like that, especially against a good defensive team like Irvine? I think it's fun for the girls that you know they don't know any given night who's going to have the hot hand or where we're going to go with the ball. Um, you know, obviously we practice and we have some sets that we think will be successful. Uh, when you have a team though that can get hot from the outside, pound the ball inside turn some people over defensively. I think the girls absolutely love the opportunity that they can lead the team in scoring, lead the team in rebounding, lead the team in steals. And based on how they're playing that night um, is going to kind of determine how our rotation goes. So I love it for them. They're putting the work in. And so to not be a team that has one superstar but just a very consistent group of young women, I think that's a fun program to play for. What you're describing just reminds me, like Steve Kerr was talking last week about how you know he played for 15 years in the league and was always complaining about his own playing time, and that's just sort of something that every player on every team has to deal with. I guess there's that, some of that dynamic that comes into play. Sure, and I love Steve Kerr. I think he's an amazing coach in the way that he gets his players to play for him. I definitely think he's the player's kind of coach. But if kids aren't complaining about playing time, then there's a problem. I want them to complain about their playing time. I want them to want more and be hungry. Um, and then they can back it on the court. If it's their night, it's their night. If not, the one great thing about this team right now is we celebrate each other. So if it's not my night, I'm going to celebrate you if it's your night. And I think that's a running theme through our program right now. But these guys get really, really excited when someone else is doing well. I think when Hallie hit that jumper the other night against CSUN, the excitement on the bench showed how much they mean to each other. Um, and so I want them complaining about playing time and getting hungry. And that was University of Hawaii women's basketball head coach Laura Beeman as they get ready. And I love that. they want She wants them to complain about not getting playing time because they're hungry. But still, they're, this is a team, we've talked about it before, that supports each other and they celebrate each other. And you love to see that uh, with, with the women's basketball program. So they play at UC Irvine today. You can watch it on ESPN Plus, 4 o'clock p.m., Hawaii time. All right. Got to go stick around for HPU Sharks Weekly featuring their women's basketball program with their assistant coach and player Ashley Nunes. That's where Paul Brecht is at. So, yeah, we'll you'll jump on air in about five minutes. But uh, I'm Kule Agbayani. It's been Wake Up in the Den. Mahalo for listening. Bye.